And there could be other things for each of us, but what really like matters to you is distinct from those particular strengths that we're going to develop and lean into. So we want to bring a great deal of self-awareness and then level up, but there's a shift there. And that then begins to go into this whole leadership flywheel that we've identified in working with leaders now over 16 years and thousands of leaders around the world that build and scale again and again. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Bill Gallagher. Bill is an international business growth coach with over 35 years of entrepreneurial and executive experience. He spent the last 16 or so years coaching, training, and speaking to literally thousands in around 30 plus cities in over a dozen countries. He himself is not just a business coach, but he had previously led four companies and was a partner and executive in two others. He hosts one of my favorite podcasts, which is the Scaling Up Business Podcast. I'd listened to it for the past five or six years. It's one that I simply just do not miss an episode. He had created and ran companies himself from startups to over $500 million in annual revenue. He discovered the Rockefeller habits and scaling up over 20 years ago. He used them in his companies, and now he serves on the advisory board for Vern Harness's global coaching organization. On today's episode, we talk about what he discovered, which was called the leadership flywheel for scaling leaders. And we go through the four different steps of what the leadership flywheel is, why it's important, and why we need to implement it in our organizations. Without further ado, Here's my great conversation with Mr. Bill Gallagher. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you ready to get out of the daily rut and begin working at your highest level? Coach P Consulting will help you do just that using the same strategies he did to sell over 500 life insurance policies in 2020 and on track for over 600 life insurance policies in 2021. No, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month 
and you'll get a live look at the behind the scenes team training in an office performing at the highest level. Coach P currently has a 100% retention rate for everyone who joins. And hey, those numbers speak for themselves. Coach P will train your team alongside his own to show you the exact steps they are taking to achieve chairman circle in two agencies, exotic travel, and multi-line presence club. So whether your goal is to be the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and tactics to get you there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level. His strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpconsulting.com and get 50% off your first month of coaching when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Again, that's coachpconsulting.com. Bill Gallagher, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me on. Excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story and love hearing people's journeys, how they got to where they are. Why don't you just tell our listening audience a little bit about your journey? Sure. And I think it's relevant to the work that I have to share today with people. But I started, like a lot of folks, with a mix of entrepreneurial and sort of more corporate or traditional background. But I was always kind of scrappy and creative and that kind of thing. And leaning towards the sales side of things, as you'll probably soon be able to tell, like I was a little more sales oriented, but very creative and like that. And so I went through a number of jobs. I worked with a big corporate group and I did some small tech companies. And so I had some jobs and one of them, I grew the business over 550 million in a short period of time mm. when I was very young before turning 30. And that really started me to think that I should go back to my entrepreneurial roots, like back to thinking about like the small businesses I did when I was like in high school and college and even in grade school, the little hustles and that kind of thing. But like, I should do it on a big scale now. And so I started doing that and I had some challenges. <laughs> I had some, you could say failures and as well as some successes along the road. So I had a specialty consulting and market research firm. I worked as a partner executive in a group of radio stations. I had a couple of technology businesses, a SaaS company and a development firm. And then I spent a number of years helping to grow a jewelry brand, right? Manufacturing distribution of a fashion jewelry brand. And this is a really mix of things. But later in life with kids, a house, a wife, and all that kind of thing, I realized that I had been relying on being clever, smart, and articulate for a very long time and that it wasn't going to get me out of the current jams. Like that's what had carried me to that point. And like Marshall Goldsmith said, it wasn't enough. It wasn't the thing that was going to take me to the next place. And that was a very big crisis moment in my life. Like I married, my wife's awesome. My house is great. My kids are great. It's all that I wanted. We have a couple of businesses and I'm miserable and I'm failing. And that was what led to kind of this shift of thinking about my leadership. Where does it come from? What do I really want? And up to that point, it had been about personal accomplishments and achievements and material gains and things like that. And then I got to that point and I'm like, if that isn't working, being clever and smart, and there's always somebody a little smarter and always somebody a little more articulate than me, then what is it? What do I want said about me at the end of my life? And that's when I realized that what I really wanted said about me at the end of my life is that I was one of the good guys, that I was a generous contribution, that I made a difference for the people that I touched in every area of my life. 
it sounds really simple and obvious, like, oh, of course you want to be one of the good guys. Like, but that was transformational because the shift there was that it wasn't just about me. It wasn't about what do I need? What do I want? What am I doing? But what am I going to leave behind? How do I want to be remembered? What really matters to me? What moves me deeply? And so that was a powerful shift. I began to reorganize my life, the way I worked, my business, my leadership. The next thing, though, that I saw is that there was an implication of suffering in that. Like I would have to give things away and I wouldn't have such a great life. And after doing some work on that, one of the things that I next came to realize and also goes to this topic is that I could have exactly what I wanted, playful, abundant, material things like all that, as long as they were shared, they were a natural outgrowth. It wasn't grabby. It was part of like a whole abundance mindset. Like we're creating stuff for everyone. It's a win-win world. It's not win-lose. I have to have more than you kind of competitive place. And so those are probably the biggest things. And then I was still growing the jewelry business. We took that business to over 650 stores and on TV shopping networks and catalogs and things like that. And it became an international brand. And in that time frame, I realized that the future that I wanted was not going back into technology when I would exit that business eventually. But what I wanted to do was to make some kind of a business out of coaching, out of working with others on their leadership. The parts of my work that I really loved within the business and around were about the leadership of the team and the development of the strategy and the leadership in the industry and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what led me to this. And then at some point, the conditions aligned and the vision, and it became time to start that sort of dedicated work going from coaching and dabbling and stuff on the side to having it be my full-time thing. That was about eight years ago. Do you feel like that it was almost like a from growth to contribution for you? Like you grew yourself, you put all the work to be able to grow and develop who you were inside, and now you've shifted into contribution, into giving those things to other CEOs and founders internationally around the world. That's what I hear is growth to contribution. Yeah, for sure. So that grew, that expanded. Now the scale and scope of my work is much, much greater than it was before the number of people that I touch and interact with. And the satisfaction is good. And I also have a really comfortable life. I do very, very well. But that's only because I'm helping so many people do really well. It's a natural byproduct of that work. No, whenever you were describing that entrepreneurial spirit where people say you're clever, smart, articulate, I think so many people can relate to that. They're really good in the business development side of their business. They're really good in the sales and the customer relations and customer service. And they get themselves in this almost dilemma of where they can get the business to. And so really yeah. what I want to ask you is what are some of the mistakes that you've seen either through yourself, but especially in coaching founders and business owners around the world and trying to begin to make that shift whenever they say, okay, I need to work on my leadership. But then the way that they go about working on their leadership is actually the wrong thing that they do. Yes. So let me share a couple of things with that, that I think tie into it. So the personal experience was waking up in Mexico with a hangover, like really out of it and realizing I get some reminder or something that I forget what it was, the trigger, but, but there I am in Mexico, I'm, I'm severely hungover on vacation. And I realize that I'm responsible for like 1.3 million today. And, 
And I started to think about that. And then that little thread continued for a long time. I realized that I'd learned how to lead through people and around people, like thousands of people that I didn't have direct authority over. So I had a certain amount of direct control and authority. I had budget and pricing and other kinds of control, like the direct authority of things. But then I had to lead and influence a vast number of people down through organizations to support all the things that I was doing in that company. And that insight continued over time. Then as I started coaching and working with people, the thing that I realized in working with business leaders is that the world, I mean, this is really fundamental to human beings too, but especially if you have an organization around you, the world and the people, the way things work around you is perfectly matched to the way that you are. So we're a fit for yeah the world that we live in today and the world fits us. Our world, right, is perfectly synced up to and expressive of matched, aligned with the way that we've been so far. So if you want to change your business, you don't just introduce the scaling up framework and you do that work we do with organizations, but you also have to evolve yourself the way you've been the leader because you created this mess, right? If you are the founder, or even the hired CEO of the business, we get into kind of sync with each other. So if we're going to level up everything, we also have to level up ourselves and we have to adapt. And the leaders that don't do that, pull it back down or they sabotage the gains that they make. Yeah, so true. And so many different leaders have different styles that the way that they lead their organization, either maybe through their parents, ultimately through their experiences in life. And there's a lot of different assessments out there that can begin to try to help somebody uncover their style. But what do you believe that a leader, how can a leader begin to go through and say, be genuine to who they are, understand how they lead naturally, and then begin to work to build the right systems around themselves so that they can actually move the organization forward? So we use a couple of things. We definitely use the Clifton StrengthsFinder from the Gallup organization as a primary tool for discovery and development of the leaders. Who are they? What do they gravitate to? That tells you things like, I'm smart and articulate. I'm creative and persuasive. Those are not the particular talent themes within it, but I have like communication, ideation, and strategic. I have activator and command in my top five. So those are useful things to reveal something. I also can see the kinds of things that I have in the bottom are about execution and harmony and that kind of thing. So the things around people relationships and around consistent execution are really low for me. That's useful, but that is a little bit like the first part. So there's something else that shifts it, and that's that thinking about the end game, right? As Stephen Covey taught us, start with the end in mind. We want to think about what we want said about us at the end of our career or even at the end of our life. When you think about that and think about the people you love and what you want them left with, who matters to you, then things begin to shift and you see something else. Because what was missing for me in just looking at my strengths was people. And there could be other things for each of us, but what really like matters to you is distinct from those particular strengths that we're going to develop and lean into. So we want to bring a great deal of self-awareness and then level up, but there's a shift there. And that then begins to go into this whole leadership flywheel that we've identified in working with leaders now over 16 years and thousands of leaders around the world that build and scale 
again and again. Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go with that next is that in doing all the work that you've done, not just through yourself and your businesses of being a practitioner, but then also seeing so many different industries from around the world, you begin to notice that just becoming a better leader in and of itself in this kind of generalized way is just really simply not enough. So talk to us about what you've began to identify with through this four disciplines of the leadership flywheel. Do people recognize your agency brand? More importantly, do people care about your brand? At Relevant Marketing Solutions, we partner with you to clarify your message and deliver it through multiple marketing channels, creating a brand that inspires. With over 10 years experience working with insurance agencies, our team can help your agency not only get noticed, but start cultivating brand champions. From creating a logo to putting it on a coffee mug, we are your one-stop shop for all things marketing. We can even produce a video of you drinking out of your cool new mug. Visit us at relevantadvantage.com to learn more. And if you're a State Farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com. And be sure to enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase and no spaces at checkout for a special discount. Relevant Marketing Solutions, helping you cultivate brand champions. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top-performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, We have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. So a flywheel, right, is a thing that builds, uh, stores momentum and builds and gets faster and faster over time. And in a flywheel, the flywheel turns and one thing leads to another. So we're going to develop a great deal of capacity and energy by building in that flywheel. And I think it makes a great deal of sense. So the first thing is being inspirational. Now, you may or may not be an inspirational leader, but there are a set of specific kinds of conversations and things to say and do that are very inspirational. The point of the inspirational discipline, the inspirational leadership is to generate a positive emotional response. We also know this from Simon Sinek and brain research and things like that that start with why. We wanna touch something. So the kinds of things that provoke a positive emotional response are things like sharing a bold vision, boldness in general, taking a strong stand, displaying courage or vulnerability. All of these produce an emotional response in the people around us and people get fired up, they get excited, they are moved, they are inspired by what they see. So the first discipline is inspire. You think about President Kennedy standing before the nation and said, we choose to go to the moon. And he's speaking, he's making a bold promise and describing a vision all at once, right? Steve Jobs reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a phone 
a new kind of a phone that combines a whole bunch of different devices that people were carrying in in particularly elegant fashion. And people are like, whoa, that creates a new vision for the future. Or Elon Musk says, we're going to be a multi-planetary species. And to do that, we need to stop throwing away rockets every time we use them, but reuse rockets, right? Or we're going to be a carbon-free thing, and I'm going to create a car and a solar company and batteries and all kinds of, and I'm going to integrate these things. All of these things, you may or may not agree with them or like them or that kind of thing, but with vast numbers of people, they get us fired up. We're inspired. We might even be moved by it. So any kind of like positive emotional response is that first piece of leadership, right? But that then, like the flywheel, leads to the next thing. So, oh, I see something, but now what do I care? What do I do? I'm lit up. And there are quite a few leaders that go around being inspiring. They're naturally inspiring and people gravitate around them, but they're also not yet effective leaders because they're really great at getting people fired up, but then people have to figure out for themselves what to do about that, right? So the next thing is, what does that mean for me? What do you want from me? What are you inviting me to do or asking me to do? So I have to then engage people. And in the engage discipline, I want to bring people into the work that I'm doing, whatever it is that I'm up to. And I want them to say, yes, I'm on board. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll buy that. Yes, I'll sell to you or work with you, right? And we want them to say yes and then start taking action. So that's engage, the second discipline. The challenge there is to think about what's going on for the other person, not what you need. So I'm inspired. I share a big, bold vision and I need people to do certain things. And I go around doing that and I tell people, hey, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, do this for the cause. And you will get some people. But if you really want to be effective at getting large numbers of people easily to buy, work, support, collaborate, like to engage with you and take action, then you've got to get curious about why they would want to do it. What does it mean for them? So beyond the emotional thing, there's a personal opportunity for everybody who's on our team. And ultimately, you want to not just create contributors and partners and customers, but you want to create leaders who build more and more of that, right? So to get good at that, we have to begin to set aside what we need, not let it go, but set aside and start to get curious about what's in it for the other person right? Steve Jobs famously went to John Scully, who was a famous PepsiCo executive and already successful and making money and on a great career track and that kind of thing. He said, look, do you want to keep selling sugared water? Or do you want to go change the world? And he then spoke to the passion, the ego, the identity of that executive and invited him to make a change. And I don't know what it is for each and every person, but if you start to get curious about what would have people say yes to things, why would it make a difference for them? To do that, you have to get interested in what's going on over there, over there, in their head, you have to set aside all of your own concerns. So that's the second piece, right? Now I've got people who are engaged and committed. We're moving through the flywheel, right? And they're taking action, but we have to get good at planning and not just having a plan, but the act of planning. Having a plan, as both Churchill and Eisenhower reminded us, is a very fleeting value, but the act of planning is priceless, right? Mm -hmm. Because the minute we start working on a plan, it's immediately becoming obsolete. 
Mike Tyson is famous for saying, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So we have setbacks, we have things that go off. So we have to keep planning and replanning. And that's the useful part of planning. Now, there are a couple of things that are useful in the world of planning, and that's to start with the end in mind, right? To think of the end state, especially if you are attempting to do something that's not been done before. And then the other piece that I would say is start to think about the human touches. So it's one thing to plan like an engineer about more rational, discrete, rigorous kinds of systems. But to work with people, we want to think about what are all of the expectations and assumptions going on and what's most likely to go wrong with this plan and keep looking at that and adjusting that all the way, which is why in the world of scaling up, we do quarterly plan updates with all of our teams and then we're checking in on them every week. So that's the world of planning. Right now, the plans really go off. The replanning isn't helping. People want to quit. What comes next? What's obvious? What's the fourth discipline? Execution. No, that's what we're doing, right? And we're already acting in the engage and we're planning. Mm -hmm. And so we're executing, but things go off. Now we need to do something else. We got to coach people. Coaching is about keeping people in the game, having them try new things versus the same old thing. So people have setbacks, they have breakdowns, and they get discouraged, and they want to get out. We want to bring them back into the game, remind them of their inspiration, remind them why they said yes, and what they're doing and replan with them, we take them back through the flywheel. And that is the leadership flywheel. And those four disciplines scale your leadership from working with a team of 10 to working with a team of 10 or 100,000. I was thinking about the part with inspiration to engagement, because a lot of people will think just because they are clever, articulate, can speak and can be inspirational, that that alone is enough, that we actually don't have to go through the work of engaging the team and then wrap that around with planning and then actually developing the team because we think that our vision is just enough, like our inspiration. Now we can get some, that's enough. We got some buy-in and we'll cobble together what we think is planning and that's enough, right? I mean, that's kind of a typical process that leaders go through. A hundred percent. We get them all lit up and they're like, oh, wow, I feel fantastic. And they go home. They're like, I don't know what this means for me. Do I still have a job? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yes, you have a bigger job. But yeah. unless you start to move through the rest of those parts, you're a dreamer. Where do you think that someone needs to start that they say, well, I feel like that maybe I'm deficient in the engagement of the people. You mentioned that. I would agree with that. I mean, you and I would be actually in the same, the engagement of the people side, the relation aspect of the strengths finder was one that's not really, it's certainly not in my top five. Where can someone begin in terms of figuring out where they're the most efficient and then working in those areas to improve? So in working with these four disciplines, we actually want to develop strategies and approaches for all four. Even if we naturally gravitate to one or the other, you might be really inspiring, but weak on planning. That's fine. So you go through the motions on planning, you have planning partners, you embrace some of the disciplines. You might be weak on all these things and weak on coaching are great on a lot of bits, but you sort of then drop the ball with the follow-up on people and, and many people sort of drop out of working with you. Mm -hmm. So you just have to do some practice to get good at that. And then you're gonna lean into whatever particular strengths you have to get great at that. So listening, is essential to great communication, is essential to engage and to coaching, right? Natural listening. But an enemy of that would be thinking you know everything and being 
predisposed to talking a lot, which is I just described myself, right? So I'm arrogant enough and smart enough to think I know an awful lot and to assume that I understand a situation before I actually do and to fill the silence with conversation, right? With words. And so I have to learn to and develop discipline to ask questions, to hold back, right? And that's not natural, but you can develop it. I'm curious in your work, have you found one of those areas to be more prevalent in the leaders that you work with than others? I think there's all sorts of people. I have a number of people going through our three-month course right now, our leadership program. And one is really great with the planning and the engaging, but really, really light on the coaching and the inspiration. Another is really great on the inspiring and the planning, but not so much the engage and the coach. People find themselves with more or less capacity or predisposition to focus on one or the other. It's in seeing and starting to think about the whole flywheel and then beginning to use all of it all the time that there's a great deal of fulfillment in. What I hear also, too, is there's got to be a willingness upon the leader to have humility and vulnerability to be open up to where they feel like that they actually do need help. Because so many of them will feel like, well, I've got it all licked. Right. I mean, you know, I can communicate with a team. We do these quarterly planning retreats. We check all of the boxes. I mean, we're doing all the right things. I'm fine. Right. That's the kind of refrain. Hey, I'm good. Just need to fix my people. Well, it's interesting. Remember, we said you have the organization you deserve. You deserve the organization you have. So if it seems like everything and everyone else in the world around you is the problem, it's time to look in the mirror. There's something about you that has gravitated to, tolerated, set up all of that around you. And not everybody's interested or willing to do that. That is a key reason that a lot of our initial leadership and scaling clients wash out because they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this kind of work. I'm going to get you to forecast a little bit. How do you think, and looking back and also kind of looking forward, in your time yourself and your entrepreneurial career, and with all the clients that you've worked with, how do you believe that leadership has changed? And then over that time, but specifically maybe in the last 18 months with what we've gone through with the pandemic, I'm curious about how you see if you believe that leadership fundamentally is changing as we move forward into the next decade. Yeah, I don't know that leadership changes a whole lot over time. People are born and they die and leaders come and leaders go and there are standout leaders and less than leaders. But there are a couple things that really happened in the last little bit and have been happening. So I think at least in the Western world that self-reflection, self-awareness, there's a market increase in that willingness and interest in looking in the mirror. So that has gone up at least in like North America and, and in Western Europe and that kind of thing. That's certainly an increase and a positive one that lets people do this kind of of work. Then during the pandemic, of course, people in to varying degrees got isolated and they had to figure out how to connect over technology. And if you think about it, a lot of technology has connected us, has made us aware of things on a global scale. But also, in many cases, it's divided us, divided us into tribal camps and influences with the sort of twisted algorithms of some social media that create very 
me them kind of polarization of ways of looking at the world and that kind of thing and, and i certainly have seen it in my family and friends and networks and things like that people so divided but within our companies we saw people who got disconnected and then brought back together with tools like this we're doing our interview over zoom and people have gotten better and better at being that and now they're learning to manage and integrate it and as people get back into face-to-face meetings and in the office and things like that then they're starting to see how to integrate this thing that really got highlighted for the last year which is all the ways of working remotely and there's a great deal of like integration and settling and rebalancing that's going to go on for the next little bit as we integrate that right so there certainly was an increase in use of technology and tech tools for the last little bit. And now people are kind of still figuring out how to do that. And it's remarkable, like not everybody bothered to do it. Many people are like, I'm just going to wait till this thing's over. And they miss the opportunities for growth and for scaling in this time frame by doing that. It's valid. You know, they waited till things sort of calmed down. Other people leveled up and they profited from it. They benefited from it. They scaled their work. And I mean, that's really true of most of our more successful companies again and again. They look at what's happening in the world. They figure out how to adapt and flow with it. And they do a lot better as a result of it. It certainly affected us in a positive way and all of our clients. By throwing a hardship, a new constraint at us, we had to be innovative. Yeah, that's so true. I was just talking to the CEO. He came on the podcast, uh, a fast growing bank. They went from six employees. They're about to be at 30. And by the end of this year, they'll be at 50. And he was talking through the challenges, but also the opportunity of trying to figure out how much space do they need now for their office? And do people want to work part time at the office? Right? Well, not part time, but some days at the office, some days at home. And so they're trying to navigate through what the new normal is going to be. But at the same time, they're adapting and willing to basically through he's being flexible in his leadership to figure out exactly what this new normal is going to be. Bill, it has been an absolute honor to have you on. For those of you that listen to our podcast, it's been great. I've learned a lot from Bill over the years and listened to his podcast, the Scaling Up Business podcast for, I don't know, five or six years or so. It's been one of my favorites. And so I encourage people to go there. Bill, people want to connect with you. They want to learn more about how they can grow in their leadership and utilizing the leadership flywheel. Where would you point them to? How would they connect with you? Scalingcoach.com. That's my website, scalingcoach.com. It's not too hard to remember. I'm a scaling coach. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's maybe been flashing on the monitor behind me as we talk. So anyway, that's probably the best place to find us. Awesome. We'll put that in our show notes and in our email. Bill, it's been a pleasure. Hope to have you back on in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It's a great conversation. Pleasure. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but then at the very end as well, how much I have taken from Bill and the guests that he's had on, but just his wealth and depth of experience in business is something that's impressive to me. He has worked not only in his own organizations through so many different industries, but also has helped so many different leaders from literally around the world. And it's amazing to be able to have somebody like that to come on the podcast and just share his experience. And so for him to work through and say, hey, after all of this work, myself and working with leaders to codify that into the leadership flywheel, which honestly makes so much sense inspiration, engagement, planning, 
and coaching, inspiration, engagement, planning, and coaching. Those are the things that I'm definitely going to take away because we can think about how those inspirational leaders, and maybe some of you listening are just really articulate yourself and you're able to be able to get people riled up and fired up, but then we've got to actually engage them at a deeper level and then go through the right process of planning. And what is that cadence of planning and meetings that we need to have to make sure that our message is actually taken hold? And then finally, that's just not enough. We have to really coach our team members and coach our leaders to be able to implement what it is that we're trying to get through in our companies. Make sure you go to scalingcoach.com, scalingcoach.com. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. We'll make sure we put it in our email. Hey, are you getting one of our emails? Every week we profile and lay out exactly who's coming on the podcast. And we've got obviously some recaps that we're going to be doing. So make sure you go to club.capital forward slash podcast and enter your email address to make sure that you don't miss an email about one, some of the guests that we have on. We send that email out every single Monday. I was talking to the leaders at Direct Clicks just the other day, and they were sharing with me some of the results that they had gotten through some of the most recent people who had listened to the podcast reached out to them and within 30 days, the results were fascinating. They were not accustomed to getting inbound leads from people finding them online. And they had had multiple, this one client had had multiple people to reach out to them and said, Hey, I found you online. And this one particular person had been an agent for a really, really long time and had never received that. And within 30 days, they had results. If you want those kind of results in your business, reach out to our friends at Direct Clicks. Hey, it's just a phone call. DirectClicksinc.com. Take 15, 20 minutes. Go there and pick a time that's going to work for you so that you can decide, hey, is this the right fit or are they the kind of right company that's going to help me to have a better online presence? Are they going to be able to help me with my Google pay-per-click campaigns? Reach out to directclicksinc.com. We always appreciate their partnership of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. You know, Bill talked about in his leadership flywheel, the third aspect of that is planning. And one of the parts of planning that's so important is not just setting goals and targets, and it is, but also using your financials to set those decisions, to set those goals and targets, and not your financials being an afterthought. And that's exactly what Club Capital can do for you in your business is to give you the perspective and the analytics that you need that you're probably not getting right now from whoever you use that is going to help you to be able to make better decisions in your business. And if you make better decisions in your business, you're ultimately going to be able to grow your business, grow your leadership and grow and develop your team because you know you're making decisions based on those financials. I have listened to Bill's podcast for a long time, as I continue to say, and that has come up time and time again from leaders and other people he's had on his episodes where they talk about utilizing their financials. Well, if you want to be able to have the financials at these companies that do $20 million plus, it used to not be able to be possible. You're a small business. But now you can go to club.capital and be able to get the financial analysis and analytics that you need. But yet it's delivered to you in a way that you can understand it. It's not so complicated. You don't have to have an MBA degree. You don't have to have an accounting degree to know how to read those financial statements. Go to club.capital, book a no obligation demo today and see exactly how Club Capital can become the strategic generator to power your business forward. Until next episode. 
played well. 